We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Choose your fighter. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. I'm not a cocky person. I'm just passionate. Final round. Uh, yeah, I'm looking for a new podcast partner immediately. Quarantine and chill. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. And as always, I'm joined by Justin Mello, who is now, in addition to a BroadwaySportsMedia.com writer and an SB Nation writer, has just announced earlier this week, has joined the Draft Network. Congratulations, Justin, the premier source for draft information, in my opinion. Congrats. Tell us about that a little bit, and how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm excited to be at the Draft Network. Uh, I've got a lot of great stuff planned over there over the next couple of months. Uh, a lot of interviews. We've we've already dropped about five of them uh, in this past week. So if you haven't seen them, and if you're familiar with my work, you know that I kind of, you know, I do everything, but I specialize in interviewing the draft prospects. So dropped some terrific interviews this week. I debuted on Monday. I, I thought with a with a strong piece on, on North Carolina running back Javante Williams. Uh, you know, not a guy that's going to probably interest the Titans in this draft, but a terrific player and, and prospect in his own right. And I, I had a lot of fun uh, sitting down with him and speaking with him. So uh, I've got a lot of interviews coming to the Draft Network this year. I'm looking to probably sit with somewhere between 50 to 75 prospects over the next couple of weeks. We've only published five, but I've already done 25 of them. So we're rolling them out slowly and I'm not slowing down. I've got a ton of appointments over the next couple of months to sit down with these kids and I'm getting a chance to tell their stories, which I love. And for me, I'm excited for the opportunity uh, that I received to move this over to the Draft Network. I think it fits so well. I I think they really are uh, the best NFL draft-centric website in the market right now. Guys like Jordan Reed, Joe Marino, uh, Kyle Krabs, Trevor Sikamla, just, just, you know, Ben Solak, just a terrific group of of writers and people who know the draft inside out. So I'm excited to join forces with them and, and add a new element to their site. Not to pat myself on the back, but that was one of the things they said to me that they thought me, you know, me bringing the interview series over is something that adds a new element to what they do with the scouting reports and and whatnot. So I think it's a great fit and I'm excited to be there. And as you said, I'm not leaving Broadway. This is no, I'm not going to do that. This is in addition to my work that will continue covering the Titans year round with Broadway uh, and with uh, SB Nation. So Titans coverage isn't going anywhere. I've just added something new to my plate with the draft network. Nice. Yes. Well, congrats again. And one of the things I love about the interview series is to me, you know, we can scout these guys on the field. We can see what they look like as players and we can look at their box scores all we want. But a huge determinant of success in the NFL is if that player has the drive and the motivation and the want to to be the best. Someone like an A.J. Brown mentality versus not to throw anyone under the bus, but we've seen, you know, in this past year what Isaiah Wilson's self-destructive behavior can lead to. So, you know, getting a chance to, to see what these kids are all about, I think is super important uh, and under a super underrated element of this whole Twitter or home GM scouting thing that a lot of people like to do nowadays. So definitely be sure you guys are checking out Justin's interviews so you can see a little bit for yourself what these players are like. All right. With that, let's get into today's episode talking about Daquan Jones and Desmond King. Blah, 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 blah. And... 
Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible, presented by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. Check out broadwaysportsmedia.com. I'm Justin Graver, and I'm joined, as always, by Justin Mello, here to continue our series, Breaking Down the Titans Free Agents. Justin, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. Excited to jump into another one of these today. How are you doing? I am doing well, and I'm excited to get into this today. Before we start talking about free agency, we should mention the salary cap. They have an idea. Nothing's been announced officially yet, but Adam Schefter tweeted that he expects the cap to go up from the $175 million floor they were expecting uh, to what will probably be in the $180 to $181 million range is what Adam Schefter said. So we'll see if that holds. That's a bit lower than the $185 million which is what the cap was in 2020. So the cap would still fall a little bit as opposed to increasing like it's done every year for, it feels like forever now. So a little bit higher than the floor they had projected at 175 million, still a drop from last year, but you know, going up, I think is a good thing for, I mean, every team is good for all the players. Obviously the higher the cap goes, the more money the players can make and the less in a bind teams like the Titans will be. What do you think about this? Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I think the salary cap being a little higher than expected uh, is good for every team. But, you know, from the Titans perspective, because this is a Titans podcast, uh, it's definitely a good thing. They obviously have a ton of free agents, a ton, which we're going to get into that uh, here in a minute. Um, but, they, you know, they have, they have flexible cap space. They don't have a ton of it. But as uh, if you read Mike Herndon's article on, on how the Titans could pretty easily create more than $50 million in cap space uh, by restructuring uh, a couple of contracts. He wrote that for Broadway Sports a few weeks ago. Make sure you check that out. Guys like Taylor Lewan, Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, just so much money uh, to be created if they choose to do so by restructuring contracts. With that said, uh, it's always good to have more cap space because, again, uh, they really do have a lot of free agents and a lot of key ones at that. All right. So on this podcast, in the last few weeks, we've covered Corey Davis and Jadeveon Clowney. We covered Jonu Smith and Jayon Brown. Today, we're going to look at two more guys. And those two guys are Daquan Jones and Desmond King, two guys on the defensive side of the ball. We talked about this a little bit on our last episode with the coordinator hires that we could see a huge personnel overhaul on defense. So with that thought in mind, Looking at a guy like Daquan Jones, who's been with the Titans since he was drafted, seven years in the league, he's 29 years old now, former fourth-round pick out of Penn State. He's been kind of an underrated force in the middle, I think, his whole time here in Tennessee, and he's really started to come on lately as a locker room leader, voted a captain this year, I believe. So we're looking at a guy like Daquan Jones, SpotTrack has his market value projected at $7.5 million per year. That's right around what he was making over the last few years. He was making $7 million a year in Tennessee. So entering his age 29, age 30 season, it'd be interesting to see if he really does get an increase in average annual salary from $7 million he was making to seven and a half. What do you think the Titans do with Daquan Jones? This is such an interesting one to me. First of all, you know, let me say, Daquan Jones, I think several years from now, uh, when he's no longer a Titan uh, and or his career is over, so to speak. Um, I think we're going to look back on Daquan Jones as one of the more underrated Titans uh, who had one of the more underrated tenors because uh, I feel like he doesn't get the respect he deserves. I think he's certainly one of the best draft picks they've ever made on day three. I mean, here's a guy you got in the fourth round, 112th overall, who, you know, what, back in the 2014 draft, I believe it was. And here we are in 2021 talking about should they re-sign Daquan Jones. It'll be the, it would be the second time they've given him a new contract. So 
what a great player. What a great draft pick that was, especially being on day three. This is a really tough one for me. I don't think he should make more than he did on his last contract. You know, granted, you know, inflation, but he's also three years older, right? Than he was the last time he hit free agency. And that was at 26 years old, right? Sort of a, a prime age. Now being 29, he will be 30 next season, um, towards the end of the season, but he will turn 30 during the 2021 season. He's not a young guy. And, and, and this is an interesting decision because John Robinson, he's proven he's not afraid to move on from veterans. You know what I mean? He, look what he did with Jarrell Casey. Uh, and, and Casey's play, it's not like it had tailed off yet. That was more uh, a prediction that it was about to tail off, right? Or, or, or do so uh, shortly. Logan Ryan, a little different because I do think Logan Ryan's play did tail off a little bit in his last year there. But they're not afraid to move on, right, from veterans who have given the team a lot. So... I think to me that, you know, this comes down to money. What does his market look like? If you can get him back, I think at less than $7 million a year, then I think you should strongly consider that. Because like you said, he's an underrated force in the middle. He's a really good player in the run game, especially. So I think if you can get him back at the right price and it's not, you know, a long-term deal, it's something that maybe only has one or two years guaranteed. I, I think you would strongly consider that, wouldn't you? I think he's maybe one of the, not a priority necessarily, but just looking at what happened in the last offseason, and John Glennon just wrote about this in defense of Shane Bowen's year, but the Titans lost a lot of veteran leadership after last season, um, after the 2019 season with Jarrell Casey, like you mentioned, and Logan Ryan, like you mentioned, moving on. Those two guys were not only veterans getting into the tail end of their career, but they were locker room leaders and they were culture leaders. And Wesley Woodyard was part of that group as well. And just all these veterans moving on. And with Daquan Jones being a, a captain last season, you would just hate to lose another veteran leader on your defense, especially at one of your weakest position groups, as we stand now in the defensive line. I, I can't imagine that his market is huge. I mean, looking at other defensive tackles that are going to be on the market in free agency, guys like Leonard Williams are going to command huge salaries. You know, Dominican Sue has traditionally commanded a big salary, even though he's only 34 years, he's getting up there and now he's 34 years old. But he, even he was making $8 million a year last year, which is more got Solomon Thomas, who's a young defensive end and maybe not worked out so great with the, as, as far as being a top 10 draft pick, but he's probably going to get a decent contract in free agency. Danico Autry is a guy who's been had a great career in Indy who's getting up there, but could sign for some veteran money. I, there's just a lot of guys on the market. I think you could look at and Daquan Jones, maybe one of the better ones out there, but I feel like he's a guy that wants to be in Tennessee. This is just me speculating, but it just seems like he's a guy that would want to be in Tennessee and that the Titans could use his leadership coming back next year as they try to rebound from what was obviously a horrendous year on defense. I do think he he doesn't necessarily give you the pass rushing juice that you you may need to really up the ante in terms of the pass rush, but he's not that doesn't make that doesn't mean he's a subpar pass rusher either. I mean, he's put pressure on quarterbacks in his career before and he was coming off a torn ACL a few years back and had maybe a down year. The year he came back after that and he's been I think steadily getting better ever since that that recovery season. So, I agree. A guy who's still kind of improving I don't know if you if you want to just let him go and then you have to it just creates there's so many holes on the defense already with you need edge rushers we talked about this last week you need depth at every level of the defense you want to create another hole by removing a starting player like Daquan Jones that seems like creating another problem that you don't need 
Yeah, I think that's a really good summary. And I ultimately agree because when you think about market value, you know, you mentioned there are some other players in free agency at the position who are younger and maybe offer more as a pass rusher, guys that are probably going to be higher on the priority list, right, of teams who are, who are trying to look for a new defensive tackle. When you look at Daquan Jones from that perspective, a 30-year-old guy, you know, that doesn't have a lot of juice as a pass rusher in today's, you know, pass-happy league, you would think the Titans should be able to get him back for a pretty pretty fair and, and, and team-friendly deal. And if they do, then I think it's a no-brainer. Because, you know, look at the scenario if you let him go. Who are you relying on next season, next to Jeffrey Simmons? That means, again, you're like you said, you're going to have to do something in the draft, do something in free agency. You got guys like T.R. Tart, who, don't get me wrong, I'm very excited for, but is still a very young, unproven player. You got Laurel Murchison, who you just spent a day three pick on. He's coming off his rookie year. You know, did did some things as a rotational guy, but certainly, you know, you, there's no way you're comfortable going into next season, say on a, a with a three man front on the D line, starting both T.R. Tart and Laurel Murchison, guys that you really don't know all that much about yet. Uh, that that would be a really dangerous game to play. Now, I could get behind a scenario where you bring Daquan Jones back, and maybe you're starting one of T.R. Tart or Laurel Murchison, or you're having them rotate a little bit. Maybe you bring in some other veteran D-line help like they did last year, a guy that we'll probably get to on next week's episode in Jack Crawford, who's also a free agent. But letting Jones go, I think you'd be playing a pretty dangerous game. All right, I think we agree on that. Not much more to say before we quickly move on. Is there any defensive tackles in the draft you want to mention right now for Titans fans to keep their eye on? I know a lot of people are excited about Christian Barmore from Atlanta. Am I saying his name right? from Alabama, uh, who is a really good, obviously probably the top defensive tackle in this class. Yeah, in terms of this class, I think Christian Barmore, who, who you just mentioned from Alabama, is probably the only guy that's that's worth a first-round pick. And, and even then, uh, it, it wasn't so, so certain uh, on that until later on in the year. He had a big year, right? He's an ascending talent. Those Alabama guys, it always seems like they have one emerge, right? Quinn and Williams, we didn't know a lot about, right, until his final year, and now Barmore, uh, feels very similar. So he may be the only one that's worth a first round pick, but there is value here to be found. I, I think in the later rounds, you know, guys like uh, J Tufile out of USC. I think he's a guy you probably see in the second or third round. I think, you know, if you're looking for a run stopper to replace a Daquan Jones, a guy like Tyler Shelvin out of LSU, he's someone I'm a big fan of. Um, Alan McNeil out of NC State. He's a little undersized, but he's someone that can make sense on on, on day three, I think. Uh, Davion Nixon out of Iowa is another ascending talent who really we didn't know a lot about until this past year, a former Juco guy. Uh, I think he's a three-tech at the next level for what that's worth. And, you know, you play Jeffrey Simmons there now, so I don't know how good of a fit that is. But I think there are some guys that you may be able to find in the later rounds, but it's not a particularly deep class, at least not at the top. All right. Well, thank you for that. Those are names to keep an eye on. And with that, we will move on now to our next free agent. The other one we'll talk about today is Desmond King, slot cornerback who the Titans traded a sixth round pick for in the middle of last season because the secondary needed all the help it could get after Adore Jackson and Christian Fulton were injured. Jonathan Joseph died of old age on the field. And Breon Borders proved that he wasn't as good as he maybe looked in a limited sample size earlier in the season. So we now look at Desmond King former fifth round pick out of Iowa, still only 26 years old. And uh, spot track has his market value market value projected at 6.8 million per year. To me, that's a pretty good, reasonable contract for a guy like Desmond King. On the other hand, though, 
you're, you got a lot of money invested in your cornerbacks. When you look at Malcolm Butler, who's set to make, I think, $14 million in 2021, you could cut him and save $10 million against the cap. You got a Dory Jackson on his fifth year deal, which you could possibly get out of. He's set to make over $10 million. And then you just spent a second round pick on Christian Fulton. So it's an important position group. It's maybe more important in today's modern NFL with the quick passing game we see from so many teams than edge rusher. It might be the most important defensive position group. I don't know if everyone would agree with that, but how much is it worth investing in this position? A guy like Desmond King can do a lot of things that this defense needs, can play a physical run defense from that nickel spot, and he can blitz the quarterback as well. So what do you think the Titans end up doing here with Desmond King? This is, you know, I'm loving these conversations because this is another one to me that's really interesting. And I think you can make a strong argument for both sides. Now, Desmond King played in the slot, correct? Almost every snap. Almost every snap. And I knew the answer to that. I just want you to answer the next question for me. What was the Titans' original plan in the slot going into the 2020 season? We assumed it was Christian Fulton. We're not 100% right. sure. He right. told us that on that tape with the Titan that he expected to play a lot of nickel for the Titans. But right. obviously that didn't work out with the injury. So for the sake missed, of this argument, yeah. though, that's the point I'm trying to make. Christian yeah. Fulton was expected to be the slot corner. Now, assuming you don't move on from a Dory Jackson and Malcolm Butler, which, by the way, I think you don't. I think you're re- you want to talk about Daquan Jones. I think you're really playing with fire if you move on from either Butler or Jackson this offseason. Absolutely. Especially invest- after what we saw last year. Right. You invested a second round pick into Christian Fulton, rightfully so. You expected him to, to be able to play that role in the slot. Now it didn't work out. He was banged up through camp, missed a couple, you know, didn't have OTAs, didn't have a rookie mini camp, didn't have a preseason, the whole shebang. Really didn't get off to the start that he wanted to but you still invested a second round pick into him. If you bring Desmond King back, what does that do to Christian Fulton next season? Right? I mean, it's he, again, he's at best your fourth string corner. Now I don't think it's a bad place to be in. And I'll, and I'll make my the counter, I'll counter argue with myself. I don't think it's a bad place to be in, but you're, you know, you're really not getting a lot out of your second round pick two years in a row. If, if that's the case on the flip side, no team, should realize how important depth is at the corner position more than the Tennessee Titans going into this offseason because, you know, of what happened with Adoree Jackson, uh, what happened with Christian Fulton, you know, both of those guys being hurt, not being ready to play. Uh, You know, they had to roll out Jonathan Joseph out there. We know how that worked out. Ty Smith got a couple of starts early on in the year that that, that weren't good. You know, he he really didn't play well. I think it was the Pittsburgh game where he started and and he was just horrible in that game, truth be told. Made up for it near the end of the year when he started another game on the outside and played quite well. But I I think, you know, you know, ideally, you don't you're not going to rely on Ty Smith to be a starter. Chris Jackson was a rookie, played a lot of snaps for them, had his struggles. This team wasn't deep enough at corner, right? Breon Borders was a nice surprise. He's a guy we may get to next week. He's an ERFA, exclusive rights free agent. So bottom line, this team wasn't deep enough at corner. That's why they went to go trade for Desmond King in the first place in the middle of the year. And they, and they didn't give up. They gave up a sixth round pick to get him. It was a steal. So I think you, you, you risk versus reward here. You bring him back if you can get a good deal, a good price tag on him, and you're, you, you know, you're deep at corner. You're more prepared for injuries at the position than you were last year, but it also buries Christian Fulton down the depth chart, and you're not really getting a lot uh, out of a second-round pick, and that'll be two years in a row, right? You're not really getting a lot out of him. So this, to me, is a very interesting conversation on what to do with Desmond King. 
If it's me, I'm trying to bring him back because exactly the things you just said, you can never have too many good cornerbacks and being able to have a rotation going or just the insurance of if somebody gets hurt again, whether that's a Dory or Malcolm Butler or, or Fulton. And then on the top of that, you know, Fulton, as much as I loved him as a prospect, he's still an unproven player at the NFL level. He didn't really, he had an interception that was a deflection where the ball kind of fell into his hands, right place, right time kind of play. So we haven't really seen how good or much of a liability he would be in more snaps. And on top of all that, to me, I mean, this is just my own read of Fulton, but he's not best served as a slot corner. He's best served on the outside where he can use his physicality to, to play press man and use his instincts to play off ball man, which he's one of the best off man corners I think I've ever scouted. So I, I would love to see him move to more of an outside role. And if that means you free up $10 million by moving on from Malcolm Butler, who's getting up there in years, or from Adoree Jackson, who maybe just didn't pan out the way you hoped, depending on what they think last season was. Because in his four-game sample size last season, starting week 15 and including the playoffs, he was not very good. And obviously, you know, he didn't have a chance to get in shape, and he didn't have a chance to play with these guys on the defense. And, you know, he was just thrown into the fire while still nursing an injury. He was still missing practices. So I don't know if he was ever fully healed uh, at any point last year. But the point is, you know, you got a guy like Christian Fulton who you're not sure about. You got a lot of money invested in the position. But Desmond King is a guy who is more of a sure thing that you can bring back and continue working into this defense. I mean, this is a guy you, you traded for midseason, threw him right in. You know, he didn't have a chance to go through OTAs with the team. He didn't have a chance to learn the defense, really, except for on the fly. So, number one, that could have restricted what Shane Bowen wanted to do with his defense. And number two, it could restrict what Desmond King was able to do and how well he was able to play. So I think a guy with his skill set is important, but at the same time, you know, if you draft another cornerback in the first three rounds, which I think the Titans probably should do just to continue getting younger at the position and keeping up with athleticism, you know, there's a lot of guys on the free agent market too. So my question to you would be like, if it's not Desmond King, it's probably nobody. Right. And and do you have to make a trade internally where it's we are going to go with King, Fulton, and Adoree instead of Malcolm Butler? I'll just tell you some of the guys on the market. Patrick Peterson, obviously 31 years old. Who knows if he'll actually get out of Arizona. Richard Sherman is even older, 33 years old. DJ Hayden was a, a good slot corner early in his year, early in his career, but he was terrible with Jacksonville last year. Josh Norman's now 34 years old. Derrick Henry stole his soul. Jason McCourty's not coming back. Brian Poole from the Jets is an interesting option at 29 years old. Mackenzie Alexander from the Bengals is an interesting option if they prioritize the offense. Kevin Johnson, former first-round pick, busted out of Houston. He was terrible. Terrence Mitchell, another Cleveland guy who's been up and down his whole career. And then this is the one I wanted to get to. Mike Hilton, only 27 years old. We'll see if the Steelers actually let him go, but he would be a very interesting player. He's a great slot corner. He's a great blitzer, one of the best blitzers in the game. And a guy that is probably, you know, competition on the market for someone like Desmond King. So I just can't see them going to sign a cornerback from a, a free agent cornerback like this when they have the guys they already have and they have Desmond King in house already. You know what I mean? I do agree with you. I think that they're going to sign a corner. It's going to be Desmond King. So and I, I do ultimately, you know, I know I argued against myself a couple of minutes ago, but I do ultimately think he's back because. Maybe we, I think we were all a little naive last season. I don't remember going into the year thinking that they weren't good enough at corner, but man, they got quickly exposed, right, for how thin they were at the position. So you're going to need depth there. Look, nowadays, again, pass happy league, the slot corner is a starting position. 
if you go into next season with the same top three as you did this uh, last year, which is Malcolm Butler, Dory Jackson, and Christian Fulton, let's say, it's almost guaranteed. It, it's, you know, knock on wood, but that's a lot of guy. One of them's going to get hurt. One of them's going to miss a couple weeks. And then once again, you're going to be really exposed at how thin you are at that position. So you can't have enough good corners. I do think you bring Desmond King back. I don't think his market's going to be crazy. Look, the Chargers didn't like him, obviously, at all. It's, you know, he was in their doghouse. They did not like him. The Titans gave up virtually nothing to get him. For whatever reason, I don't think he's going to have a very competitive market this offseason. I think they'll be able to get him back on a deal that makes a lot of sense for the team. And that way, you've got, you enter the year with way better depth than you did last year, right? You're literally weighing, say, Christian Fulton is the fourth corner. You're weighing Fulton as the fourth corner versus who was the fourth corner last year? Jonathan Joseph? I think you feel a lot better about that situation heading into 2021. And Fulton, I know I made the argument that you got to get him on the field, but I, again, he will play. You know, knock on wood, but someone's going to get hurt. Malcolm Butler's going to miss a few games, or Adoree Jackson's going to miss a few games, or Desmond King is going to miss a few games. Fulton yeah. will get on the field regardless. Uh, so I, I do ultimately think you bring King back and you draft one too at some point because I, I do agree with that point. You have to get younger at the position. So uh, I do think King is back in Tennessee next year. The market value that Spotrack projects is a four year, $27 million deal which I think would be kind of make sense, something like a three to four year deal in that range, that $6 million a year range or so. Spotrack has him at 7 million, but I think, you know, maybe like you said, I don't know how much of a market he'll have. Maybe he could get him closer to 6 million. And yeah, if you I think did, seven is rich. Yeah, seven is a little rich. And if you got him at that number closer to 6 million a year, you know, you don't really have to worry about your impacts on the 2021 cap because you can kick that can down the line if it's a three to four year deal. I don't even and, know if and, it's going to take that much. I'm just, not to cut you off, call yeah. me crazy, but I, like even six, I feel like you'd probably get something done for like three years, 15 million, you know, five million a year. It's not impossible. Definitely not out of the question, especially in a year where everyone's contracts are going to be a little bit suppressed by this cap. And, you know, if it's that kind of deal, you can, you can make the first year cap hit two or three million if that. So, be like a high a high drafted rookie contract on your books as opposed to a big free agent signing. And you did mention that, you know, we both talked about drafting a guy, somebody that's been mocked to the Titans quite a bit. I've seen is South Carolina cornerback JC Horn. Any thoughts on him or any other corners in this draft you've been you've had your eye on? Maybe that Melifon Wu kid. Yeah, the thing with JC Horn is uh, you know, really there wasn't a lot of buzz on him until uh this past season, the game against Auburn, right? Where he was absolutely terrific, right? He had a ton of uh, you know, pass breakups. He had two interceptions in that game. He really exploded onto the scene, uh, really in that game. But I do really like him, you know, 6'1, 205. He's long. Uh, he, you know, he's built to play on the outside. He did a great job. He plays press coverage where I think he does his best work. He's very physical. He's tough. Again, he's got terrific length. And you see that in the Auburn game, uh, you know, time and time again with, with him getting his hands in there and breaking up so many passes. You also got to love the NFL bloodlines, right? He's the son of Hall of Fame wide receiver Joe Horn. So uh, I think this guy's worth worthy of a first round pick. I think there's a, a chance he's around at 22nd overall. He's a guy that I see going in that 15 to 25 range ultimately so um he's someone that would make a lot of sense this this is an interesting year for corners i'll be honest i don't think it's a great year i think the top three names are very good 
you know, in addition to Horn, the other two being Caleb uh, Farley from Virginia Tech and Patrick Sertain out of Alabama. But I think those two guys are probably both top 10 picks out of there. I think there's a lot of question marks, you know, guys like Eric Stokes and Tyson Campbell, which were a tandem of corners at Georgia. I think one of them may be worth a late first. I see them more as, as second round talents more than anything. You got a guy like Asante Samuel Jr. Talk about NFL bloodlines. I think you know who his dad is. He's a corner coming out of FSU this year. Another guy and that he I- knows Mike Vrabel, no question about it, right? <laughs> Sorry? His dad played with Mike Vrabel, right, in New England? I would assume that played together. Yeah, without looking it up, I would assume they did. One thing I liked about Asante, he took, you know, he only played eight games this past year, but he had three interceptions in those eight games. It's a huge step forward for him because in 2019, he played 12 games. One of the knock on him was ball skills, right? He only had one interception that year. So to come back and have three interceptions in an eight game season was big for him. It's probably why he was so confident opting out after just playing eight games. But uh, really, if you want to learn about him, you watch the game against Georgia Tech in 2020, where he was terrific. You want to talk about improved ball skills? That's what you'll see uh, on display in that game. So, but other than that, this is not, this is not a very deep class. You know, you got Paulson Adebo coming out of Stanford, who's been banged up over the last year, hasn't played football in a while. I think Elijah Molden out of Washington uh, is, a, is a slot corner exclusively. I don't know that they draft a guy like that, but uh, he's a guy that I think is going to be a really good player at the next level. One guy that's got a lot of buzz right now is, is the kid from Syracuse. Uh, you'll His older brother, Obi Melifonwu, uh, you'll know, but this is Ify Melifonwu out of Syracuse. Huge guy, 6'2", 212, 80-inch wingspan, 32-inch arms, long, physical, you know, just terrific length, really interesting player. And one guy who I want to mention, sorry, I know I'm going off here, but one guy I want to mention who's one of my favorite corners in this class who I don't think is getting enough attention right now is Northwestern corner Greg Newsom II. About 6'1", 190, only played six games in 2020. But again, you put on the tape, I would recommend you watch him against Nebraska. Thought he played a terrific game against Nebraska. The size, the length, the ball skills. He's feisty. He's a a competitor. He's physical. He's tough. He's an excellent tackler. This is a guy that I really really see as someone uh, that could be the total package at the next level. I'm not seeing any first-round buzz on him right now whatsoever. So if he's someone one that you find in the second round that's someone I would love to see I I think he's a John Robinson Mike Vrabel type of type of player the only question on him is is durability because he's yet to play a full season Uh, he hasn't had any major major issues but he's always been nicked up by or lately that is but he's always been nicked up by something he's missed games every year but again a guy who loves to tackle who's got great length he's competitive he's tough huge fan of Greg Newsom so if they can get a guy like that in the second round or even maybe the third then I'd be all over that well, there you go. That's a terrific list of cornerbacks for Titans fans to watch. I did confirm Mike Rabel and Asante Samuel played together from 2003 to 2007 in New England. So definitely would be a connection. Mike Rabel would probably know that kid pretty well already. So there you go. That'll do it for this episode. We covered, obviously, these two free agents, Daquan Jones, Desmond King. Like I said off the top, you're looking for Corey Davis, Jadeveon Clowney. We have an episode on that. If you're looking for Jayon Brown, Johnny Smith. We have an episode on that. So just scroll back in the feed and find those guys. And we'll be back next week to cover what we're calling best of the rest. We'll go through all 29 Titans free agents just to refresh you on who they are and discuss the ones that are, you know, the most important or the ones that stick out to us as being worthy of discussion. So we'll be back next week to wrap up our series on free agents for the Titans before we really start diving into NFL free agency and the draft that's coming up 
before we even know it. Anything else you want to say on these two guys before we get out of here? No, I think that does it. I think ultimately we covered two guys today in, in Daquan Jones and Desmond King that should be back in Tennessee next year, uh, given that their market plays out the way we see it playing out, which I, I don't think is going to be, you know, either guy is going to be super pricey or, or have a super competitive market. So I think both of them uh, should be back in Tennessee. And if I were to make a prediction, I would say both of them will be back. Yep, I agree with you there, and I hope that that comes to fruition. So that'll do it for this episode of the Music City Audible, presented by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. Again, head over to broadwaysportsmedia.com. Check out some of these articles we mentioned on today's show. And until then, you guys stay safe out there. We'll be back next week. Tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media production.